<laughs> awesome. Yeah, thanks, Colin. Yeah, so, um, I think that's always just from, from, from the leader's perspective. It's always great when people participate, you know, when people bring word, when they share stuff. Um, because we are a family of, of believers. Yeah, so, so thanks for that. Cool, guys. So Ross is going to preach, which is, yeah, super exciting for. We haven't heard in a while, I think, eh? Yeah, so I'm just going to pray for him and then we'll, we'll get going. God, yeah, we, we just say thank you for Ross, Lord. Yeah, just thank you that he loves you so much. Thank you that he loves us so much. Yeah, and just thank you for the word that you've given him, God. And I, I really just pray that you just come and anoint his lips. Holy Spirit, just come and speak through him. And I really just pray that, yeah, what, whatever he uh, brings this morning, God, that, that you'd really just shape and use us just for your kingdom, Lord. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. It's perfect timing, actually. <laughs> it's so difficult. As you get a word, you want to bring it. It's like, and you just feel like, but God is, God, I don't know, do you guys feel I could taste it this morning? I could taste it this morning. And, and actually, when, um, when that word that Elaine had done now, like those girls that, that Carmen was sharing about and testifying about, they couldn't hear, but they could feel, they could taste, they could experience. And God is a God of experience. And I pray this morning that, yeah, we might talk about some practical things, but actually, that He comes and He, and he touches our hearts. Because without that experience, without that tasting, and seeing that He's good, all we're going to have is this picture. And there's, no, there's actually no conviction and no revelation that comes from it. So I hope as I share this morning that actually the Holy Spirit comes and does that. Because I can't do that. There's no ways I can do that. It's impossible. It doesn't matter how eloquent my words are. And they're not that eloquent. <laughs> I know that. But the Holy Spirit is gracious and good. So, so I'm trusting. Listen, I just want to say, welcome to the Gabriel family. It's lucky to have them. Colin has shared. They're visiting from Edge. They're visiting from Edge Mead. So it was like a... Um, like it, it's lucky to have them, like a, a whole group of them. They bring a whole church when they come. <laughs> so, um, where to start? Uh, where to start? So, <laughs> here we go. So, who likes the, who likes their feet? <laughs> who likes their feet? Hey, hey. It's, I don't know. I don't know if I like my feet that much, but <laughs> hey. If you think you've got beautiful feet, there we go, there we go. Now there's a scripture that talks about feet. It's quite interesting because Estian, he didn't know where, like he kind of felt what I was going to share on, we had spoken about. He didn't have the scriptures I was, he comes to me this morning and he goes, hey, I felt Romans 10 verse 13. Why don't you put that up so long? Uh, Yes, that's the one. Yeah. And I felt that this is actually what I wanted to start with. This is the scripture I want to start with this morning. So, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? Hey? How beautiful are your feet? Hey? So it's quite interesting. I want to, let's, have a, let's read that scripture quickly. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But who are they to call on him? But how, sorry, how are they to call on him? In whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Now, 
that actually there is just, that's kind of evangelism in a nutshell. So it was quite funny. You know the word evangelism, evangelism actually comes from the meaning to give a gift to somebody that brings good news. It's interesting, eh? Because normally you would think, I thought it actually meant to bring good news, but it actually means to receive a gift. So, so the, the person bringing the New Year's gets given a reward. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. The person bringing the good news gets given a reward, and that's actually where the, the entomology of the word comes from. It's quite interesting. So maybe, maybe if your feet aren't that pretty, <laughs> the gift you will be given is good-looking feet. Anyway, it's a joke. <laughs> so I, and in this, maybe another scripture. I've got, can I have quite a few scriptures today because I do feel God has put together a lot of things. I sent Nick a list like this long this morning. I feel sorry for it. But let's have a look at 1 Peter 2 verse 9. It says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Same translation. How cool is that? But to proclaim his excellencies, which is to proclaim his praises, which is to tell people about Jesus. And that scripture is it's amazing, actually, because that scripture gives us purpose. It gives us purpose. It tells us what we call to within the kingdom. You see, and there's this purpose in the kingdom of actually spreading the good news and seeing the kingdom advance and seeing the kingdom come. And that is a little bit about what I want to chat about this morning. So there are a few reasons, various reasons, why we don't do these things, why we don't evangelize. And as I go through these things, I want to highlight a few of these things and I want to talk about these things. And as we go through these things, I'll we'll maybe speak into them and we'll pull some things. But the, what I want to show us this morning, what I, want to, what I want us to leave with, I'm hoping, is a heart that is activated to actually sharing the good news. Because as we heard yesterday, a couple of girls, a couple of guys got saved. That is something incredible. That is something to rejoice about. That is incredible. Like, amazing. And I hope, I hope this, that we would be a church that you can invite your friends to because they're hearing the gospel. But not only that, but the gospel's being preached out there as well. So there is a, a many different ways to draw people into the kingdom. But I, I feel God wants to stir something in us, in our hearts. And that is, that is evangelism. That is to preach the good news, actually. So we're going to talk and look at, look at a couple of those things. So I want to maybe just clarify a few things. When I, the, when I use the word testimony, it's the testimony of Jesus. You know, we talk about our testimony. And our testimony, yes, it's our testimony. But you know what I was thinking a little bit about it? It's not actually our testimony. It's what he did in our lives. So yes, it's, it affects us. It is in our lives. So it's immediate to us. But it's actually his name being glorified. So when I talk about, when I say testimony, it is the good news, because the good news of Jesus is that, that he's taken us out of darkness and he's put us into light, into his marvelous light. So just when I talk about these things as, as we go along, that you understand that testimony, gospel, good news, these are all so linked together and they actually are Jesus. All right. So let's have a look. So one of the reasons we don't like good it's a bit nervous. It's a bit nerve-wracking sharing. sharing eh? I mean, let's maybe before I even go there. I don't know about you guys, but I find it quite nerve-wracking to share the gospel. I know it's a good thing, and I do, I, I do it, but it's pretty intimidating. Eh? I mean, come on. 
Is anybody not fond of the Tibidabia? I'm sure there are one or two. But it's pretty scary. And, and I, I want to look at those things, what prevent us from, because we are, we are called to do it. We're a people that are called to do it. I mean, even in, in Timothy, I think uh, Paul, says to, Paul says to Timothy, he says, do the work of an evangelist. This is not exclusive to those that are, see themselves as evangelists or anything like that. Every single one of us is called to make disciples and to preach the good news. He says, I have anointed you to preach the good news to the poor. That's not poor in money, that's poor in spirit. And poor in money, I guess. <laughs> but, there, but there is something of every single one of us is called to advance the kingdom some way, fashion, or form, somehow. If it's if you only got the ability to reach one person, cool. But I would say there's more. I would say there's more. Because our lives, our lives should be infectious, actually. Um, so let's look at the first reason why... We don't. And I think this is one of the reasons that we don't realize how powerful our testimony or the testimony of Jesus is. The reason I say that is, um, is how many times have you heard somebody say, oh, I, don't, I, like, I, don't have a, I don't have a cool testimony, I don't want to share it. Like, oh, it's not that great. Or, or I don't feel like I have a testimony to share. Every single one of you, if you're in the kingdom of of God has a testimony, whether you believe it or not. So you, we have to get our heads around this thing that it's not about how bad I was, because all of us were terrible. We were lost. There's a line, and we were all on that side of it. <laughs> like we were, we were hopeless, hopeless. No matter how good a life you think you lived, without Christ, we're hopeless. And our Christ, because of Christ, He's taken us out. He's plucked us out of the darkness, and He's thrust us into His marvelous light. That is a miracle. That is a testimony of Jesus. That is powerful. That is incredibly powerful. Now, Romans says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Hearing that. Hearing that Jesus has taken you out of darkness and put you into light. So the word is sharper than a church. It sort of cuts, it brings like with a spoken word of the truth that that is Jesus and that way that cuts and it divides. So there's something, what we, you know what we actually do when we say that we don't have a powerful testimony? We're actually belittling what Jesus did for us. It's hectic, eh? It's almost like you're kicking a gift horse, in, you know that expression, you kick a gift horse in the mouth? It's, that's what we do when we say, nah, I don't, that person's got a more powerful testimony. If you've just said that Jesus didn't pay as much for me as he did for that person. I had some sort of justification in my road to... To, to him. And that's such a lie. Because we all fall short of the glory of God. And we need, to, we need to understand that. We need to go, actually, as good a life as I thought I lived, without him I was so lost. And I think when we begin to realize the power of the gospel, the spoken gospel, sharing our testimony, sharing, it, we actually begin to realize this thing is quite powerful. It's not just something, hey, uh, I'm ashamed. We can't. In Revelations 12, 11, it says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You know, there's that, um, there's that saying, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. You guys heard that? So I feel sorry for this poor guy because, oh, I don't know about you guys. Some of you might like that saying, I don't. <laughs> I 
I really don't, because I don't think it's true. But I understand in the context of what he was saying, he was probably bringing correction to people's lifestyles need to reflect the kingdom. <laughs> he was probably preaching to people that spoke it and didn't do it. But I think we've become a people that now are trying to hide behind wanting to do it and not speak it. So we've taken that phrase and we kind of hidden behind it and allowed it to nullify us actually speaking, actually talking, actually drawing people to a place of accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior, actually recognizing and saying, oh my goodness, I was a sinner. Oh my goodness. And, and encouraging to repent, receive forgiveness and walk in Jesus. They, they, we just kind of want to live this life and looks good. We love one another. Yes, it is attractive and it does draw people in, but that's not... Very seldom is that the only reason that people are going to come to know Jesus. It's because there needs to be a little bit of a connect that they were lost and now they're, now they're found in Him. And living a godly life is not going to connect those dots. They might come and ask. It might be the, 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 the drawing factor. But it's not the deciding factor. <laughs> Does that make sense? So there's something, there is something in us actually needing to sit down with people and speak to them sometimes. You know, we... We can't fear. We can't be ashamed. Right, so there's the next one. So that's it. We, first point. We don't realize how powerful it is. So if you're writing down, if you're taking points, you can meditate on these things. You can go to Scripture and you can find a whole bunch of reasons why we don't think these things. Um, the next point is, trust me. Satan is going to do everything he can to prevent you from sharing the gospel. He's going to do everything he can to prevent you from sharing the witness of Jesus. He wants you. If he can't have you, he's going to try and shut you up so that you don't make any more little use. That makes sense. It's, it's what he does. He's going to squash you and he's going to try every single thing he can do to prevent you from seeing the kingdom grow. Because now we've got purpose, right? In the kingdom of light, we've got is a kingdom of purpose, and we've got purpose. So he's going to come and he's going to try and stop and stop you. One of the tools he uses, one of the tools he uses, is fear of man. How? It's scary. <laughs> it's very, very scary. And there's scriptures that tell us that we cannot, we cannot be ashamed. Actually, we need, we need to see it. I'm going to talk a little bit about that now, but we need to understand that our battle is not against, but, hallelujah, we need, <laughs> we need to understand that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not of this world, it's an, it's an other world that we're fighting. And when we see that, we realize that, we realize the enemy, what, what he begins to use against us. What he begins to throw at us, okay? And one of those things is the fear of man. Now, what does the Bible say about the gospel and the fear of man in this thing? First of all, don't fear man, fear God. You serve who you fear. You serve who you fear. God says fear, fear God. Fear of Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Don't fear man, fear God. And Matthew 10, 26 to 28 Yes, I get the context of that. They're talking about actually death. We're not even facing death. We're just talking about spreading the good news, just talking about Jesus. And here, they're talking about 
to actual death. Don't fear the person who can kill you in this world. Rather fear the one who can throw you into the lake of fire. So there's this, don't fear man. Live under God, live in his kingdom. There's this, Luke 9, 23, it says, Forever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed. That's quite convicting. I don't know about you, but for me it is. <laughs> it's quite a like, oh my goodness, like, and don't worry, there will be some better things. It's not, it's not a rebuke. <laughs> I, we, but we do need to be very aware of the traps we fall into and the, the mind, the patterns our mind follows, actually. In Romans it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation to everyone. In Luke, I'm sorry, in James 4, 4, 4, Who wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So fear of man, fear of man is actually pandering to the world, wanting to, do, wanting to please the world, and you actually make yourself an enemy of God when you do that because you're not spreading the truth. You're not, you're not being true. So there is this, there's this wrestle that we experience and we go through. So let me go back maybe to that. Um, are you ready? I'm going to call my beautiful assistant to come and join me up here. I want to show you guys something. Just a little skit we, me and Margo were been chatting about. And um, going to that scripture about our battle not being against flesh and blood. There's, there's a beautiful picture in this, actually. And it's just one of the points, but uh, let's have some fun because if it's something you remember, then you something you remember. So I'm going to hand over to Margot and I'm going to do the acting. So forgive me if I, if I suck, but um, I'm trying. Okay, so we're talking about one of the reasons we don't spread the gospel. Um, so, Ross, you can, you can actually do it on the stage so everyone can see you, but just wait a little bit here. So, the enemy tries to stop us, and we, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and rulers of this dark age and principalities. So, as a good Christian, what do we do when we want to stand firm against the enemy? Pray, declare the word. We also told in Ephesians 6 to put on the armor of God. Right? So Ross here is going to put on the armor of God and he's going to show us how he stands firm against the enemy and how he actually, because the word talks about that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I love that scripture. He's going to be violent today. He's going to take the kingdom of heaven by force and he's going to charge into the enemy's territory to claim ground for the kingdom. So the very first thing he needs to do today, Ros, maybe you can stand there. I'll hand you your, your armor. Okay. So he has got to put on his helmet of salvation. Now maybe some of you can, can explain to us what is the helmet of salvation? Uncle Sid? Protects your mind. Taking thoughts captive. You've been saved. The enemy tries to come and lie to you and you've got the helmet of salvation on. 
Okay, well done. So, he's got to put on the belt of truth. So, anyone wants to explain to us what the belt of truth is? Okay, but the sword is also the word of God, which is a spirit, sort of spirit, which is the word of God. So, belt of truth, truthful living, not lying to one another, words we speak, knowing the truth, living by the truth. Those are all good things. He's got his belt on. Then, very importantly, he does need a breastplate of righteousness. Now guys, this looks like a red blanket, but it is actually a breastplate of righteousness. It's been woven with very hair fine iron thread. And it is feather light and fiery dart proof. And it's been dipped into very, very sacred special red berry juice that dyed it scarlet <laughs> and he's going to clothe himself in the breastplate of righteousness what is the breastplate of righteousness <laughs> the blood of jesus <laughs> yes protects our hearts yeah of course <laughs> I didn't look for it this morning as we were late. <laughs> so righteousness is basically as the enemy comes and he accuses us because he is the accuser of the brethren. All he does all day long is try and accuse us. And we can go, yes, of course, I am a horrible person, but I'm wearing the breastplate of righteousness. I'm wearing Jesus' righteousness. So you can accuse me all you want. Jesus has paid the price for me. And then... The shield of faith. This is made. This is made with titanium from the caves in Greenland, mixed with stone found in a very special cave in the South Pole, and dipped in sugar water. It is bulletproof. Ross. He's got the shield of faith. And what is that, guys? Starts the fiery dots. Starts the of the enemy. He lives by faith, not by what he sees. Now, he is ready. And he is about to go. Ross, your sword, your sword. Oh, my goodness. The sword. Okay, we, know, we won't open it because it's... So he's got his sword, which is the sword of the Spirit, Word of God. Anyone wants to comment on that? It's a bit small. It's very sharp. It's a Gideon's Bible, James says. So the word of God is powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. And when the Holy Spirit comes and breathes life onto the word of God, it is powerful. There's anointing. It breaks yokes. This is powerful stuff, guys. And 
This soldier forgot his shoes, actually. He forgot his shoes, but he's got everything else, so he's ready to go. So Ross is standing firm, but now he's also going to advance. Go for it. What's wrong? He stood on a horn. No! But the enemy's coming! Okay, guys, this is a bad idea. He needs shoes. He needs shoes. Okay, come back. What is the shoes? The feet of readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. So there's a peace that comes from the gospel and the message of Jesus. But there's also a readiness that comes when we put it on. Where we're ready to give an account of the hope that's inside of us. And without that, we can stand and we can like dodge every dart from the enemy and we can protect ourselves and our mind. But we're actually not moving forward. We are not advancing. And it's so amazing because I do believe there's an anointing that comes when we tell people about Jesus. We see at the end of Mark, it talks about going to all the world and preach the good news of the gospel, making disciples, baptizing in the name of Jesus. And it says, and these signs and wonders, some scriptures say accompany, but some says, will follow those who believe. And it names the signs and wonders. But there's something of, something can't follow you if you're not moving. So if you're not going and sharing the good news of Jesus, the signs and wonders can't follow. The anointing needs to flow. It's not just there for you to have a good time. As you speak, God comes and He actually anoints your word. It's not your words or your testimony that's powerful. It's His anointing that starts flowing as you speak those words. Um, Ross mentioned it in Isaiah, where it talks about what well, refers to Jesus. It says, He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And goes on to say, He's anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted, to set captives free. But part of the anointing that flows is when we bring the good news to the poor. And what I love here, Ross, you are such a good soldier. Once you put your shoes on. In Ephesians 6, now Paul's just explained to them to put on the full armor, which includes the shoes of readiness. And then, now Paul's writing this later, while he's in prison in Rome. Okay, so he's a prisoner, he's in chains, and he's writing this. Then he says in verse, well, we, I don't know if we, do we have the scripture? Ephesians 6. From verse 8, 17 through to 19. Okay, so take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, so that to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. Now, he's in prison. 
He's asking them to pray for him. What would you ask for if you're in prison? Please pray that I get released. Please pray that the food's maybe a bit better. Please pray that they don't beat me. What is he praying? I'm going to read you from the NIV. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. That's what he wants prayer for. That every time he opens his mouth, he fearlessly proclaim the gospel. It's good, eh? I was great. Eh? <laughs> it's it's there are lots of these, these God's amazing. He's given us things. He's interwoven stuff into us. And uh, next week we'll be preaching on circumcision. <laughs> and how they I'd rather rather concentrate you. <laughs> Don't let kids play with us. It's, it's sure. Um, you know, actually, as Margaret shared that scripture, now it kind of flows into the next point. Point number three: self-preservation. Paul there is not worried about himself. He's not worried about preserving himself in any way at all. All he's focused on is the kingdom. All he's focused on is the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. And he does that in every area of his life. Like sitting in prison, he doesn't know what's happening, yet still, he's not worried about me, he's worried about the kingdom. And there is something in us as people, I think when inherently we try to self-preserve. We try to preserve life, we try to preserve comfort, we try to preserve position, we try to preserve. We do it. That's what we do. It's, I think it, it's a very, it's the nature of sin, actually, which is I. It's the nature of flesh, which is me. So it's how am I the most important thing? How do I protect? And it's very, very anti the gospel, actually. That's very counter the gospel. Because Luke 17, verse 30, it says, For whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But those who lose their life will find life. Different scripture? Is it the right scripture? Where is it? Anyway, I'm reading it. Sorry, it's not Luke 17. Then, anyway, I mixed up my, mixed up my scriptures. Anyway, so whoever seeks to preserve life, you will lose your life, and those who lose their life will find it. Where is it? It's in Luke 9. Sorry, Luke 9, 24. So we understand this. There's something in us that wants to preserve. But the Bible is saying, no, don't. And I think even uh, this is an incredible, this is actually amazing as well. Paul says this again in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23. Let's read that scripture quickly. I'm going to read this whole scripture to us. For though I'm free from all, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I become a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I become as one under the law, though not being myself under the law. That I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I become as one outside the law. Also not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win those. Make scripture. To the weak, I become weak. That I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people. That by all means, I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel. That I might share with them 
share with them in its blessing. Paul, that scripture, he's dying in that scripture in a sense. He's dying to everything that he desires to be. His own desires, he's putting them down. So he becomes all things to all men. His own identity in a sense, his natural identity, he puts to death because for the sake of other people. There's something in him not preserving. When I read that scripture, I see that's the opposite of self-preservation. That's very much the opposite of self-preservation. It's, it's pretty, that's powerful. Like, I often use this example. I'm not a golfer. Emil is a golfer and James is a golfer. Who else plays golf here? Colin, you play golf. <laughs> James would not say. So, I, I mean, as people, we do things to connect with people. We do things to build relationship with people. I don't, I'll play golf. I'll play golf with them because I love them. Because I want to build a relationship with them. I'm not a golfer, I'm a fisherman, a surfer. <laughs> but I'll do it because I love them. Now, you better invite me. They still haven't invited me. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? There's something of like, hey, it, it doesn't matter what I do to get to be with people. And there's more than that. It goes way beyond that. That's just relationship. I'm already, they're already in the kingdom. We're already friends. It goes way beyond that. What can I, what will I do? What will I do to put myself in a situation where I might be able to reach people that don't know Jesus? It's an uncomfortable situation for me, but the gospel. But I get to spread the gospel, the good news. And in Acts 20, 23 to 24, he says, I consider my life worth nothing. It's Paul again. It's, this looks hardcore, eh? He's got like a death wish. <laughs> He's just after the gospel. He just wants to see people come into the gospel. So that's the third point, self-preservation. So remember, let's... What? Except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city. Again, it's telling, the Holy Spirit's going to tell him that imprisonment and afflictions are waiting. But he doesn't count his life for anything. Nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive for the Lord. Testify the gospel. Of grace. He doesn't care. He knows affliction's coming. He knows imprisonment's coming. He knows possible death is coming. He doesn't care. He wants to testify. Wow. <laughs> wow. So that's that's the third point, self-preservation. So let's just have a look at those quickly again. Remember what they are. Now, I know this sounds very practical, but you'll see where I'm going with this on the, on the next one. We have no idea how powerful our testimonies are, or how powerful it is to share. Satan... Come, which is the first point. Number two, Satan will do everything he can to prevent us from sharing the gospel. And it's the, one of them is the fear of man. Number three, self-preservation. How is uncomfortable for us? It's super uncomfortable for us. Number four, and I felt the Lord speak to me in this. Because these are just the whys we don't. But there's something more important. There's something like Elaine was saying earlier. I've tasted and I've seen. There's something of a heart condition in us that motivates us to do these things. Because those are just our, our struggles against doing it. But something comes from within. And that's a heart posture and a heart motive. And the reason I, just, I, I felt in, in preparing is because that's actually what God, what, what he wants to do in us. In Revelation 2, verse 1 to 5, I felt the Lord speak to me out of the scripture. 
I'm going to read it to us. It's to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Now to the angel, it's the angelos. It's actually to the guy that was leading that congregation or church. The words of him who holds the seven stars in the right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But you've tested those who call themselves to be apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you are not, and you're not growing weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand from this place. Wow. They're doing everything right. Everything right. It's quite interesting, actually. They've, they're just carrying on doing the right thing. They've lost something way more important. They've lost motivation. They've lost the heart. And actually that is kind of just becoming dead works now because they've lost the purpose. And our purpose is in Jesus. Our purpose is in our heart, remembering, remembering what he did for us. And, I, and I, in preparing for this, I felt like God was saying this to us. He's like, I'm wanting to remind you of what I did for you whether you were saved 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whether you were saved last week, I wanting to remind you that I've taken you out of the darkness and I've thrust you into the light because that is the miracle. And I think when we dwell on that, when we meditate on that, it cuts us to the heart. Remember, Estian shared last week, the week before, he shared on those four things, acceptance, um, sustenance, significance, and achievement, and how they work together in the Lord. And it always keeps coming back to acceptance, which is that first love. How he's drawn us into his kingdom. It's his loving kindness that drew us in. And how these things will work together daily. Keep coming back to the one and give strength to the other. And it's like this dance between them. But that is the foundation. In a sense. That is that drawing thing. And I think when we forget, he says you've forgotten Remember where you've fallen from. So he's reminding them to think back to that very moment, to think back, to meditate on that, and actually, and allow, allow it to cut you to the heart. Cut you to the heart again daily. I promise you, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, man, without Jesus, I'm so lost. And I just, my heart is cut to just how good he is to me and how faithful he's been to me and what he, how he's taken me out of darkness and he's saved me. And then I get up and I've got, I just feel life. I feel life into me. It's almost just like this, I'm like, oh, man. And then there are moments throughout the day that I meditate even on that. So I get to a situation, I see somebody acting dead because they're in the world. And I remember I was there once. I was there once, but he saved me. He took me out of that and now I'm in the light. I don't have to act like that anymore. And again, it cuts me to the heart. I'm like, oh, Jesus. How can I not share this good news? How can I not? I'm bursting with this. And there's something of this, only the Holy Spirit can do this in our, in our hearts. But, but he does say, he says, repent. If you recognize that in your heart and in your life, he says, repent. Because if we need to taste, we need to, we need to taste and see that the Lord is good. And that is what excites us. That's what draws people in. And then we are outside in the workplace because your workplace is a ministry field. Hey, man. And there's 
many different ways. We can share the gospel. We can invite people to church where you know the gospel will be shared. We can invite them to community. But we want to be a people that are looking, looking all the time, every moment of the day, to see how the kingdom can be furthered, how the kingdom can grow, how we can reach people with the gospel. Does that make sense? And I'm, in meditating a little bit on that scripture, I am... Um, I think if I've been sharing, you, know, we've, you feel like that. If you feel like in the world, you're just like, eh. uh, you know, I don't feel like talking about it now. I don't feel like. Maybe if a flag should go up in your life, like a little marker should go, whoa, hang on a second. Why? Why? He's paid the, paid the ultimate price. And, and um, if that is you, as I've been speaking this morning, I, I think that's what we need to leave you with this morning. A heart repenting towards him, going, Lord, man, I'm sorry, I, I've forgotten. Would you, would you remind me? Would you remind me? So maybe, maybe bow heads. You know, maybe as I've, yeah, I think there's definitely this. There's two groups of people that I'm talking to, actually. There's those that do have a relationship with Jesus, and he's convicting, and he's showing them, and he's wanting to, he's wanting to breathe life into their hearts. He's wanting to remind them, and he's wanting to awaken their hearts again. But there are also those that might be sitting here that actually, as I've been sharing and talking about a story with Jesus, that actually you don't have a story. Because you realize that you have not been taken out of the darkness and thrust into the light. But God does want it. He wants that for you. See, God has asked all men to be saved. All people to be saved. And he, he gives everybody that opportunity. So as, as I've been sharing, as I've been talking about this, and you realize, I don't have a story to share. I don't have a testimony. Because a testimony... I, I, Jesus doesn't feature in it. He wants to give you a story. He right now he can be the very it can be your start of your story in him. And it, if that's you, I'd, I'd love to pray for you. There needs to be an understanding that you're you're inherently sinful. That without Jesus we are lost. That without him we're nothing. But he came. Son of God made flesh on earth. He walked the earth. He died for your sins so that now you can have a relationship with him, that you can be taken out of the darkness and into the light. And it says those confess with their mouth and believe with their heart will be saved. And if this morning you, your heart is going, oh my goodness, I want that. I want, I want that story. You can respond. You can go, that's, actually, that's me. I want that. I want that. And I'd love to pray with you. So is there anyone here like that this morning? Is anyone here like that this morning? Would you raise your hand? So everyone's eyes are closed. Now he's about. You know, I do, I do believe that everybody uh, does know Jesus because I know most of the people here. But you know what? I'm never going to stop doing that. 
I'm never going to stop putting that out there. For your sake too, so you know that if you bring people there on Sunday, there's an op- there will be an opportunity. We've got we to be looking for every opportunity. Every opportunity. But now for those of us that do know Jesus, that maybe our first love has grown cold, that we haven't dwelt upon it, we haven't been cut to the heart by that miracle that he performed in our lives. As you're sitting here, just say, Lord, I repent. Would you come by your spirit and blow life into me again? Give me that first love, Lord. Remind me as I dwell upon these things, as I meditate on what you've done for me. What you've done for me. I want to give us a few minutes. I just want you to th- I want you to think about that moment. I want you to think back about how lost you were. About how lost you were. About how broken you were. And by the goodness, the grace of God, you reached in and he pulled you out of the kingdom of darkness. put you into the kingdom of light. And now you're an heir of the kingdom of heaven. You're part of this kingdom of light. Just think about that. Let the Holy Spirit just come and speak to you. Just want to minister to you. Just taste. I just feel like um, some of us sitting here are going, oh, that's me. My first love has grown cold, and I actually don't know how to get back to my first love. Like, what button can I push to just awaken my heart? <laughs> and I actually feel like, um, so it's not, in, in a sense, you're thinking, like, I can't go tell people about Jesus because I'm not feeling that fire in my heart. I'm not feeling that first love. But I feel God saying, like, by faith, you start sharing the good news and your heart will come alive again. By faith, you tell people of what Jesus has done in your life and your first love will return. It's as you start talking about him to others and witnessing that you're going to start experiencing new life, fresh life, and you're going to see people around you respond to what you're sharing, coming to know Jesus, and that creates an excitement in your heart. So it, it's actually like to combat this cold heart, just start talking about him.
just also feel maybe there might be some people who really struggles with uh, fear of man. Like you have this fear inside you. This, it's also linked to self-preservation. Uh, like if I put myself out there, how are people going to respond? How am you know how are they going to treat me afterwards? Like especially if it's people you know or, or that you work with. Um, and that's definitely something I, I can relate to. Like that's something I have to to battle as well. I mean, yeah, I'm going to ask you to be bold, but if there's anyone that does struggle with fear of man, I would love to pray for you. So maybe afterwards, just come to the front and we can pray. You know what, actually, I, I do. I'm, I'm responding. I was just thinking about it as you were talking now. I was in a situation yesterday. I'm standing next to the guy and I, saw, I knew I'm preaching on it. Like, I know I'm sharing this. And I saw the guy and I'm like, I want to go. I want to... I want to share the gospel with him. So now like, I try. My daughters, our daughters start playing and I like go and stand next to him. We start talking lacquer and I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm looking for an angle without trying to be weird. But it was, it was terrifying. Like I'm just being honest. Like I love Jesus. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not scared. I'm standing here every Sunday. I talk to you guys. I'm not scared. But I don't know why. I was like, I, I was just like, huh? So, I want to pray for more boldness for me. So like, fear of failure. Fear, fear of failure. Maybe fear of rejection even. Yeah, I think, I feel like this is actually, this is, this is probably where the Lord's going now. Fear of failure, fear of man, fear of those things. So if that's you, why don't, why don't you stand? If you've like, and if, there, if, there, if those of you that don't feel like that in that moment, won't you come to the front? And I'm going to ask you guys to pray for us. Because some people don't feel like that. Some people don't feel like that. So if you, if you do struggle, if, you, if it is a thing, stand. Because I'm, I'm standing. I'm on that side. <laughs> Somebody that doesn't feel like that, maybe. <laughs> you don't feel like that, Uncle Sid. I know you don't. You don't feel like that either. Yeah. I know Uncle Sid doesn't feel like that. Hallelujah. So maybe, I'm going to ask Uncle Sid to pray for us. If the three of you, only three people, I mean, this is a problem, guys. But it's real. If you will maybe reach out your hands to us and pray for us. I just want to say to you, I have also been in that place many times of being challenged to share something with somebody and I backed down because I've been afraid. And I had to go through a process with the Lord of choosing to be obedient, of choosing to trust Him implicitly for every word that was going to come out of my mouth, of choosing to believe that He's asked me to die for Him. My life is not mine. My life is His. He saved and he, the reason he saved me was because somebody shared the gospel or somebody shared a testimony that impacted my life hugely. And so I want to say to you, if there's any fear in you of anything that challenges you today, every day, some days, whenever, don't be afraid to come forward. The spirit of fear is very largely at work in this earth and this whole COVID pandemic has been driven by fear 
amongst one of the things that are driven by fear. So please come forward. I remember um, that scripture being preached, um, Revelation, <coughs> where you, you've grown cold, you've lost your first love. And, and that, that to me um, uh, was saying, when I got saved, I was uh, like, I went wild, I wanted to share with everybody, I wanted to save everybody, and I, wherever I got opportunity, I, I shared. And then as the years go along, you sort of cool down a bit. And then just a reminder again, that revelations, that we, we, we don't grow cold, we don't lose our first love, we do tell our story, what Jesus has done for us. Um, as Ross said, not my testimony, it's what Jesus did to me. It's his testimony of doing what he did to me. <coughs> yeah, and then the other, the other thing is that the fear of man, I mean, I had that as well. Um, that is actually being scared of being rejected. Now, to be rejected by the world or rejected by God, I mean, what, what are you going to choose? So, as we go out, and, and, and Jesus said, before you go to his disciples, that wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be able to witness to people, to tell them our story. And so, the thing is to be filled with the Spirit continually. And as you give, so you get filled again with the Spirit and you go in the power of the Spirit, then you can't be scared or have fear of man. So, yeah. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this morning that you were speaking to us, Lord, and even reminding me again that it is through your power of your Spirit that we can go. And it's, it's not us but it's you working through us that's the power and that gets people saved. So Lord, I just pray for a boldness on each one of us here this morning. A boldness, Lord, to step out for you that we will not be ashamed of the gospel because if we are, Lord, you will be ashamed of us testifying to your Father. And so, Lord, we want to be a people known to be uh, not scared of testifying in your name because you go with us your power goes with us Lord so Lord I would just ask this morning that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit once again Lord that we may be a, a, a force to be reckoned with in this world Lord yes we're not from this world Lord we belong to another kingdom and so Lord we just ask your mighty power to work on each one of us this morning Lord, that we will see the change in us as you work through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. We're going to close the meeting there. Um, thanks so much. Just quickly, two things. Um, Lisa and a bunch of people are going to Yonkers House after church just to hang out and stuff. So if anyone is keen, just go chat to her. 
And then we're also going to Windmill Beach at about 2 in Simonstown just to, to enjoy the, the weather. So anyone who's welcome there is welcome. Chat to me if, you, if you're keen. And I think... So I just wanted to encourage you guys. I met with a guy this week who had grown up in Cape Town, was from the wealthiest family like ever. They had like servants in the house growing up. He's about 21 years old. And in the first five weeks of lockdown, 